Hello and welcome to Do It Justice, your local bi-weekly podcast on which a guest speaker and I discuss three ideas all under one umbrella theme, or as I like to call it, debate with a mate. Thank you for coming back to the third episode, or if you're new, thanks for tuning in. I want to preface this podcast by saying that no one is being harmed during the making of this episode, thanks to the website Clean Feed, which enables my guest speaker and I to have a discussion without needing to leave our homes. I also want to give a disclaimer that this podcast will deal with animal abuse, so this is, if this is a trigger topic for you, this episode might not be your cup of tea. Also, I want to add um, a little recap from last episode. The only comment I got sent was the fact that um, straight... And this won't make sense if you haven't listened to the last episode, which was basically about LGBT issues and whether queer parents raise queer children. But um, Aaliyah uh, very accurately um, pointed out to me that straight parents raise queer kids. So that's just a bit of food for thought. Anyway, today we're talking about the environment, basically. And today I've got Maeve as our guest speaker. So Maeve, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Maeve. Um, I'm passionate about the environment, so here we are. Yep, yeah, absolutely. How are you dealing with quarantine right now? Quarantine's okay. It's going weirdly fast. Like, we're seven weeks in. I know. I'm, like, scared. Seven weeks. This is what I mean. I, I remember speaking to my friends and I was like, we've done the whole summer holiday. Yeah, that's too long. Yeah, like. I know, I know, I know. And, like, also what, what I find, like, mildly depressing is the fact that, like, I said, like, I was going to do so many good things, like, with this, like, a lot of time, and then I'm thinking, oh, my God, two months has gone by and I've done none of them. Same. I said I'd do so much, and now I'm starting to do them now, but, like, it's a bit late. But... Yeah. But to be fair, though, like, what I find crazy is the fact that, like, we've not, we would, like, we've only just gone on study leave, technically. Yeah. It, life is a lot different now, isn't it? It's yeah. crazy, like, thinking, like, how different it would have been, like, right now. At the start of the year seven weeks in lockdown everyone would have laughed and yeah. now here we are exactly here we are so our three topics we had a little bit of a change of mind last minute didn't we and mm-hmm. um, so we were going to talk about we're going to talk about banning zoos and sea world and that kind of genre of topic banning one use plastic and then we were going to go on to kind of discuss like the e- economic um it, whether it's like economically possible to make all cars electric like legally or like um, I don't know if the government put some sort of program in place, but yeah. that's kind of out of our depth, really, isn't it? <laughs> so last minute, we've decided to um, talk about fast fashion because, Maeve, you're you're very passionate about that, aren't you? Yeah, I think more people need to hear about it, and it's something that I think people could easily change. So it, exactly, it is literally so easy to talk about, and also me myself, like I am like a major charity shop goer. I have been for like three years. I used to get laughed about. I used to get bullied about it. But, you know, we won't talk about that. But yeah, so that's what we're gonna we're gonna start with um, banning zoos and SeaWorld. So do yeah. you want to start? So like I've never. I was thinking about this. I've never gone to a zoo and thought like, wow, I definitely have to come back here. Yeah. And I don't know how many people have. Like, you know, you go to a zoo on like a school trip or maybe for like a lame eight-year-old birthday party yeah. at some point. But no one has ever gone to a zoo and thought like, this is life-changing. Exactly. No, no. And and it's like it's not like, say, Fralton Towers, like people buy like year-round passes. Like yeah. you would never do that for a zoo. Yeah, it's, it's just like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I'd also never be the person to say, oh, let's go to the zoo. And I don't know many people that would do that. Mm. So it kind of, I've never been passionate about zoos in any way. I, well, I am passionate about zoos, but I'm anti-zoos. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was on Twitter and I just saw this tweet and it was um, talking about coronavirus, how we've been here for like six weeks. 
and then it had a picture of an orca in a tank in SeaWorld and the tank is like three times the size of the orca itself and you think like obviously an orca doesn't have the same cognitive function that we do Hmm. but we've been stuck in our homes for seven weeks and we are all like getting so stressed out about it and like mental health is through the floor and you think like this animal has trapped in this tank for its whole life it knows nothing better than that and like three times the size of itself that's not that's not a lot at all like it's it's genuinely nothing and there's no stimulation in there like they just swim around and hope that one day they might die and get to go somewhere else and that's terrifying to think about yeah it's a sad reality isn't it but the fact is is that that's how it is and like if you did that to an orangutan there'd be or a chimpanzee there'd be so much uproar because like they're closer to humans and we feel passionate about them and you think like they're all animals like we can't have these different layers of animals like that we care about more if you put an orangutan in a cage that was three times the size of itself i I don't know what would happen yeah like obviously it happens sometimes but here i think there'll be you know change made i mean when you said to me like three times the size that for me sounds like almost like um you know when they transport them from like their home to like where that sounds like what sort of space they they should give them for the transport not like their actual living space exactly and that's like overhead SeaWorld pictures have shown that that's where they are when they're not being shows or Mm. if they're not like if they're unhealthy at the moment and it's just like that doesn't make sense to me at all. It's very interesting that you kind of drew parallels to us right now in quarantine because I was talking to my grandma about like the whole topic of SeaWorld and she said to me that one of them like for her one of the main reasons she likes them and she's like a big animal lover yeah um And she has that like natural maternal love for animals. She's got two dogs herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said to me that the, the thing she finds really important about zoos is the fact that often they have like these conservation programs in place. Yeah. And like they, you know, obviously they take um, animals that are in spe- um, endangered or they breed them, make sure that they're safe. But I said to her, and I drew parallels to us, and I said, you know, what you're saying is that the animals are kept in in um, confinement for mm-hmm. health reasons or for um, safety reasons, right? But that is exactly like the government saying to us, you are indefinitely stuck in your homes and you're not yeah. allowed to leave. It's for your health and safety reasons. You have to trust us. You have no option but to stay in there. And I said to her, is that fair? And it was quite a difficult thing for her to argue out of because yeah. it's basically the same, obviously. Animals and humans are different in the sense that we are a lot more high-functioning. But, yeah, I do think that there's something to say about drawing parallels to confinement with us as well. Yeah. And also, drawing on the extinction, like, conservation point, is that they do slow extinction through breeding programmes. And, you know, we see all the pandas that go to China and come from China and we're like, wow, like, these baby pandas, we're not going to lose pandas. Yeah. And, like, at the end of the day, they are saving animals and they do keep the species going and in terms of biodiversity if at any point they're allowed to be released into the world it will be a good thing even if mm, they have to release them young because they'll be too acclimatized to the cages yeah but I don't know I find it difficult to argue that that could ever be a really good thing yeah and then keeping like one or like a few you don't need zoos filled with them no absolutely and also like uh, it kind of reminds me of the um saying I'm here for a good time not a long time Mm -hmm. and it's almost like yeah they might be alive and we might be saving these species but what is their quality of life well exactly and I found this fact that in in SeaWorld orca will an orca will live to the maximum of 30 years 
and in the wild they've found orcas that are 100 years old and you think like no orca has lived to over 30 in SeaWorld and here we are with orcas that are 100 years old in the wild and there's many of them and you think like even if you can argue that they are given a decent quality of life they are not like they're not living anywhere close to the amount of time that they should be like surely that's saying something yeah that is that's very true I, I also similarly similarly read something about lion cubs and how they die like a lot earlier than in the wild and they yeah. and and the article made a really good point about the fact that um how can lion cubs be dying so early in mm-hmm. confinement in zoos when there's not even the risk of like predators exactly. like what are they dying from like that that raises the question of like how bad are the conditions and it just like and watching tiger king you realize that in in england i never really thought of the fact that they could zoos could exist like the one in tiger king and it genuinely had never occurred to me that they were this there was no regulation and there's no one like looking out for them apart from welfare groups. Yeah. And these animals are basically their lives are dependent on how much money is made that month or that year. Yeah. And like if <laughs> Joe Exotic had a big lawsuit and he can't really afford to feed them, like more died. And that is what happened. Exactly. And yeah. You watch that and you think their quality of life is determined by this man's income and he clearly like can't control his income. So what's going to happen to them? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely something to say about the fact that, like, you, we, like, especially as a child, that I never even questioned, like, how they were being looked after or something, and you kind of put the trust in the establishment, but like you say, like, if the establishment, like, obviously right now, no one's going to the zoo, so then it's like, well, who's looking after them, who's raising money to feed them, all of it and and also another another thing that I thought of was the fact that like yeah okay so zoos like do do a lot of um preservation programs etc but Mm -hmm. surely for me that's kind of like an excuse almost it's like so they do that because obviously the fact that like a lot of species are being hunted and stuff Mm -hmm. and like they aren't being protected in the wild but for me I when someone says that to me, the direct way to solve that problem is to invest in charities such as, um, like, the ones that, like, protect animals and, like, yeah. go out there and actually do the preservation in the wild rather than yeah. taking them from their natural habitat. Exactly, and I think, like, it's just... I can't justify it enough that it wouldn't... It's never OK, and the ethics of it are awful. There's not that much of an environmental argument to it, like I was doing a lot of googling about like environmental aspects of zoos Mm. and like really I think the fact is is that no environmentalist agrees with zoos because the ethics of environmentalism fall under the ethics of zoos and it doesn't really make sense to anyone who agrees with them yeah exactly that's what I mean and like surely I just think okay so zoos like I feel like they're a short-term solution to endangered species and whilst I don't I don't necessarily know whether we should completely get rid of them but I think definitely for sure one of like I think one solution that we could say is like um to make sure that all their profits go towards like Mm -hmm. preservation charities and stuff yeah and like reservation programs and that kind of thing in the world where they're just in the reservation where it's just a set piece of land that is guarded by um well the people of the reservation and that is how that is how it should be. Yeah. And the animals should be able to kill each other if that is what their natural instinct is. And that, like, we don't interrupt that in the wild. And yet in zoos, we just hand them massive bits of cow and expect it to be the same. And it's just not how they're bred to live. And in zoos, the tigers and lions will pace 41% of the time. Yeah. And 
in the world, if they if tigers or lions pace, that means that they have behavioural issues and it means that they're not healthy and that they're not happy. And if they're pacing forty one percent of the time, like that's so much like yeah, that's really hard, that isn't it? Yeah. You know, and you just think I don't understand how what could be going through their minds or what they could be thinking but like they don't deserve for that to be their life yeah I don't I think you're completely right I think when if if people actually think about the ethics behind zoos no one really can deny that they're very unethical but how would you argue against the fact that like say for example SeaWorld SeaWorld its net worth is 1.7 billion dollars or 1.4 billion pounds like that is a lot of money it's given a lot of people jobs it's raised a lot of... I think often zoos can raise awareness to endangered species, so how would you argue that, like, economically, how could um, these big business businesses survive if we said, no, it's illegal? Economically, so all the jobs that are going to these people are, for one, they're probably minimum wage, mm. and minimum wage in America is not the same as minimum wage here. Universal basic income doesn't exist, and the fact is is that many of them it's have been shown that many of them would have to have two jobs to keep above the breadline. Right. And I just, like, the dignity of doing a job like that, where mm. you're not even earning minimum wage, you're not even earning enough to live, like, obviously the government has to do something about that, and maybe we don't shut every zoo today, because that would have so many economic consequences that couldn't be justified. Mm. But over time, it's... It, it's not okay that they're doing this and then in terms of the educational points of a zoo like how how they've brought attention I was talking to my parents about this and I was like when how much have you learned in a David Attenborough documentary like one episode of a David Attenborough documentary and you feel like a bit inspired and you're like wow I never knew most of the stuff that was on there and then you go to a zoo and you don't learn anything. No, you don't, like, unless you're going around with a guide. Exactly, and, like, that's ex- that's more expensive and that kind of thing. And, like, you don't go to the zoo to learn. And if that's the argument, then good on you, but that's probably, like, less than 1% of the people who go to the zoo. Yeah, definitely. And it's just not an argument. I think, like, the, obviously the reason why zoos exist is because, obviously, as a human species, we are very interested in other living organisms and stuff like that, and yeah. we kind of want to learn as much as, like... I, I can only ever think of the main incentive for people to go to zoos is because they obviously want to see these amazing yeah. animals in real life, but it's not natural. And like yeah, at the end not. of the day, we did exist before that, not knowing what they look like up close. And it's not like we don't have high tech cameras, David yeah. Attenborough shows that show mm-hmm. us their natu- them in their natural habitats and mm-hmm. photos and like all these books. Like we have such a large base of knowledge now that I just don't think it's necessary and it's like it should I just think it's um it's like a luxury that we just can't justify ethically so we just need to get rid of it yeah definitely okay so I think we kind of came to a quite a good conclusion about that so Mm -hmm. shall we move on to one use plastic and whether we should ban it or not yeah okay so I'm just gonna quickly talk about the positives of single-use plastic because I think they are important Mm. and they are an important part of history because before we had single-use plastic, the lower classes were malnourished because they couldn't access high-calorie foods like meat and dairy because they were incredibly expensive due to the amount of packaging that they required. They were really hard to transport and 
and that kind of thing so they were very expensive okay and then single use plastic came along and it changed the game like they could get meat and dairy so cheaply that now it's like considered everyday food like we eat it every day yeah and at mcdonald's like you can get such cheap meat and dairy it's a joke and the fact is is that they can be produced that cheaply so why shouldn't they and it has um brought the gap together a little bit because now you know we see higher levels of obesity in children of the lower classes yeah so clearly it's like swapped around now due to this and so obviously that's a really good argument for single-use plastic and Mm. then there's also the point of hygiene which is especially prevalent now yeah you know you can buy meat cheese salad dairy whatever that you know hasn't been touched by anyone other than the machines not even a person the machines that packaged it and like isn't like that's so nice for us to know that it hasn't been touched by anyone yeah but that's not like you can do that without single-use plastic there are paper options now and like they're not very good but I feel like I say this to people, you vote with your wallet. Mm. And like if you're paying for plastic and if you're not even investing in things that are looking into reduce plastic, then you can't say that like you're trying to do better. Because like if you like uh, there's a zero waste shop near our house and I know that sometimes I'll try and go and buy the food there and like it is voting with your wallet and trying to make a change, but at the end of the day, after coronavirus, will people still want to go to a shop that other people have touched the, you know, tongs and other people have touched, breathed on the flower? Like, will people want to do that? I don't know. I think at the end of the day, single-use plastic is about convenience and it's about ease and cheapness, right? And so I do agree with you completely in the sense that it has kind of very... Um, minutely closed like Mm -hmm. the weight like the gap between different social classes I completely agree with you but at the same time ease is now replaced for laziness and you have like I don't necessarily think that single-use plastic is like the evil of all evils I just think that there when there are other options I we should yeah we should take them and and it's as simple as like plastic water bottles exactly like you can go to Wilco's and buy a five pound bottle and that will last you it's it's made out of metal it will last you until you like damage it I don't know like how do you damage like hard metal and and like when and I do get it in the sense that a lot of people say well I can't afford five pounds but it's like I guarantee you you are spending six pounds on a six pack of Evian one-use water bottles like you can afford it you just don't think you like if you are maybe I'm being ignorant because I do come from a family that aren't like we've never really struggled to pay for food and stuff yeah and I do have like a job so I can afford my own stuff if I want to and I recently bought my own water bottle for Wilco's I do think it's about being clever with your money I think i there used to be this argument that veganism was really expensive mm. and that um, living zero waste was really expensive. And I think that now it's less of an argument because people have proven time and time again that in low income, in low co- income areas, like the population of India that is in poverty, and I'm not saying that being in poverty and eating vegan is like the best option. Yeah. But like the number of people in poverty and who eat vegan is the same is a very similar number because they are forced to eat like that because it's the cheapest way of living Mm. and I'm not saying that if you live wealthily that you should eat like um someone who's in poverty in India but 
like at the end of the day it can you can eat cheaply and it can be like just as nutritionally beneficial Mm. as eating meat and cheese like if you watch the game changes and i know that's a very biased documentary for a lot of the research that was done but if you look into it you can be just as healthy on a vegan diet and i think that comes into the same i can't even remember what my first point was but it comes into the same kind of packaging isn't necessary yeah absolutely no I, I completely agree game change was a great documentary i really enjoyed watching it because it basically debunked the load of myths about the fact that you know you need to get protein from meat and it basically yeah. said well where's the meat getting the protein from it's getting it from mm-hmm. all these vegetables so just get it from the direct source it's like you don't need a middleman right yeah, yeah. but i think it's just about looking in the long run because say for example plastic cling film wrap um saran wrap i don't know whatever you call it in your home or household like especially when we go to school and we'd have like packed lunches my mum would like use that every single day right and i don't know how much it is for a roll five quid say we use that every month Mm -hmm. what's five times 12 60 60. right yeah (laughs) a level maths coming through (laughs) and um and like that's 60 quid or alternatively you can go to a low waste um uh zero waste whatever shop and buy beeswax wrap which is probably what 15 quid for about six sheets Mm -hmm. and that's 15 quid and that's three months worth of saran wrap but then you don't ever need to buy it again I just want to pop in here to acknowledge that making changes in your personal life to be more environmentally friendly is about taking one step at a time. Maybe that means every month you replace one thing in your kitchen to a reusable alternative so that you don't have to blow your whole month's budget in one week. I don't know. Find what works for you. Do your research. Make a conscious effort. Same goes for clothes that we'll discuss later on. Maybe go from buying 12 brand new items of clothing to 10 new items of clothing and two secondhand pieces. Small change, whilst ineffective against big corporations who are doing the majority of the damage for the environment will make a difference exactly and I think also the fact is is that while some people might think that you know the ease of living plastic free the ease of living with plastic is you know so much better and you have to worry so much less but at the end of the day if you have read enough about the environment to be conscious of it in your everyday life Mm. you will use beeswax wrap because you will feel happier knowing that your lunch isn't causing any plastic pollution. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that people forget. And you only realise when you start doing it, you're like, this does... When you think about it consciously, you're like, this does feel better that I'm not having to worry about that. Yeah, it makes sense. I think one of the arguments about being against banning one-use plastic because obviously we could introduce it in primary schools and like secondary schools and education scheme about the dangers of it but I think unless the government does put some sort of like banning in place it won't necessarily improve because the argument is okay well I went down onto a trip to Leicester and Mm -hmm. um, I forgot my water bottle so I'm just going to nip into Boots and I'm going to buy an Evian water bottle right yeah and it's like okay so you need water for that day. Okay, I get that. Yeah. If that one-use plastic wasn't in store and all they had was reusable water bottles that had already been filled with water mm-hmm. or they had reusable water bottles and then the government spent money on, like, um, fountains and stuff, which, yeah. yeah, okay, there's probably a hygiene, like, argument against that. Mm-hmm. And all you, the only um, option you had was to buy one-use um, reusable plastic. You would buy it, and that's it. That's the end of the yeah. argument. It's the fact that if it was in place, it would probably take a bit of adjusting to do but people wouldn't be able to complain anymore. And also, if it was, like, made um, essential and, like, an actual, like, law was put in place or something, yeah. um, manufacturers, like, there would be an increase in, like, that sort of market in itself. 
and they would be able to make them cheaper because obviously demand and supply the more people that demand it they'll the cheaper they'll be able to make it exactly and I think it's like I only did economics for a year and I didn't particularly enjoy it but the fact is is that how like the system works is that if the government gave subsidies for plastic free solutions mm. and taxed heavily plastic heavy yeah. plastic solutions there would be a reduction in the amount of plastic we use and that is a fact mm. and I think that saying anything else like it, it like the government do need to get involved because this is everyone's issue no one's gonna not be harmed by plastic pollution or climate change this is everyone's best interest and we're not doing anything about it yeah and oh yeah so just to touch on like the health issues of uh, one use plastic like uh, (laughs) I was speaking to um, a guy in my year and his like water bottle looked very disheveled I was like how long have you had that it was a one use plastic and he was like what do you mean like I've been using it for a month and I was yeah. and I was like, oh my god, you do know like the major health benefit, major health risk. So obviously you gasped. So what what do you want to add to that? Well, like plastic will it won't degrade in the way that like compost does, but it will degrade in a way that is not good for you no. at all. Like. I do, I'm really interested in microplastics because I think that it's, like, one of the biggest issues we're facing, like, ever. Yeah. And basically, plastic will break down, like, consistently. It will break down until it becomes microplastics and you can't see them. They are very hard to um, identify. They're everywhere. Mm. And there's this point... um, in fact, more than 1,000 tiny pieces of plastic for every litre of water was found in the River of Tame in Manchester. Mm. It was revealed last year that this was the most contaminated place yet tested around the world. And I was in The Guardian. And you think, like, Manchester. Like, that is not somewhere that you associate with, like, heavy plastic pro- production. Or, or pollution, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's, like, plastic moves everywhere. There's nowhere where it is not going to get. And the fact is, is that if those plastics are in the water... Uh, shrimp and other fish will eat them and then other animals will eat them we'll eat them Mm. and it's not like you just excrete the microplastics like they go into your bodily tissue and will stay there and poison you and that there's not much research into it yet that's what I mean I think that's the scary thing is that we don't even know a lot about them yet like you know not to swallow a plastic bag so why do we not know that we shouldn't be filtering we should be filtering microplastics yeah absolutely if we can I mean I think if we've not convinced you now to buy a five pound water bottle from Wilco's I don't know what will save you and at this point I don't know whether you deserve to be saved (laughs) if you listen to this not and they're not convinced but um we've had a good we've had a good go with that so Mm -hmm. should we move on to fast fashion yes so I am, like I said, I'm an avid charity shop goer. Um, and like within the last week, I watched a documentary and it was, um, obviously, um, if you watch thrift hauls like I do, um, you will see that um, like thrift shops in America are like a lot better, a lot bigger. But I was thinking, and I saw an overview of like one shop in America and it looked like a new look or a top shop, but that was just clothes that had been pre-worn or donated Mm -hmm. and they're new and then I just think that there are still like factories making clothes all the time like the amount of clothes that must be on our earth right now is like scary to even think about and so then I always just think like why why are people still buying um new because for me I either I, I think it is to do with the fact that I do have like quite an eclectic 
taste in fashion anyway and I'm often quite happy with what I find in charity shops I do have that quite a vintage look but there are places there are places like Depop and eBay where you can buy secondhand clothes if, if you're looking for something specific so I was in form and this girl said I'm going on Friday it was Wednesday and I need a new top so she ordered it in form from Pretty Little Thing for like pocket change so we're talking four to five pounds yeah it came on Friday and you know she wore it out and firstly like needing a new top for every time you go out is insane mm-hmm. you don't need a new top you don't need to look different like you look exactly the same to everyone else yeah <laughs> you don't need that like, no one notices your new like oh like, my yeah. god <laughs> she wore that again yeah exactly like, can you believe that is not what's happening and you don't do it to other people so why would other people do it to you yeah or maybe you do but but also it, it, it um begs the question of if you are around people who do judge you for that, I don't think they are people you need to surround yourself yeah. with. <laughs> yeah, if you're around people who judge you for wearing the same top for like the second time that year, drop them, honey, it's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. that is insane. <laughs> like, so first of all, there's, you know, that. And then second of all is that there's no way that you can make a top for, for £4 ethically. Like, that is a sweatshop yeah. kid who is probably being, you know... Paid buttons. ...by people working there. Oh, yeah, like, nothing. They are paid nothing. And under the harshest conditions... I can't remember the statistic, but it was a crazy statistic about kids in Bangladesh who are forced to, you know, just make these tops for nothing, and they die in fires or when the building falls down because it's not made of anything great. And you just think, like, we don't hear about that. And if you did hear about that, if that was at the top of Pretty Little Thing or Boohoo and Misguided, like, this many children were killed this year by fires in our factories and this is how much they were paid, would you still buy from them? Mm. I think it's very, very true because, you know, say, for example, on, like, I mean, obviously smoking isn't allowed to be advertised anymore, but on smoking yeah. packets you have, like, um, you know, smoking kills, etc., etc. And yeah. so I genuinely think there is something to say about the fact that, so, like, governments should put in place a warning before or after fast fashion brands come on your tv or your or your yeah. episode or whatever you're watching and say um please look up the risks of fast fashion like eat like you know at the end of like um go compare and stuff and they do like the little terms mm-hmm. and conditions even yeah. something like that because i genuinely think people are oblivious to the facts and I think there's a certain level of like ignorance and privilege to be able to look at a topic for five pounds and not genuinely question where that comes from but also I do just think it's like for me it comes down to the fact that like why first of all why do you need so many clothes all the time you should be happy you're looking for happiness somewhere where it's it's never going to give it you you need to reflect on yourself because you're not going to get happiness from three 12 pound tops from pretty little thing Exactly. And second of all, you I, I have paid for tops from Pretty Little Thing and they break after one or two wears. Why am I investing money in a top exactly. that is made badly and it only lasts twice instead of buying a top for 20, 30 pounds or secondhand from Depop or somewhere? Like a lot of the clothes you buy from charity shops, they last well because they were made quite a long time ago when quality was worth more than quantity. Exactly. And I just think like... I made a pact to myself last March, so like a year and two months ago, that mm. I wouldn't buy any new clothes. I have, because I was given gift vouchers to yeah. well and that kind of thing. But like, I don't, like, 
the concept of constantly needing to look different or constantly needing this top and like I'm still guilty of it now like if someone's wearing a top I like I'll google where it's from but like I think like it's not worth it like it's I don't need it I don't I don't want it I won't benefit from it like why why not just go on Depop or a charity shop or just be happy with the clothes I've got because at the end of the day I function fine with the clothes I've got Exactly. And it's not going to change my life. Yeah. And, like, for me, it's, like, I'll see maybe... Because, you know, I am, like you say, still, like, kind of a victim of, like, advertising and stuff. And I'll see something on Pretty Little Thing. I'll see an ASOS ad in someone's YouTube video. And I'll look it up on ASOS. But then I'll go... The first thing I the first thing I do when now, mm-hmm. having, gone like, developed, like, quite a good routine, is when I see something or someone says to me, oh, yeah, it's from this shop, I'll go straight to Depop because not only will I most likely be able to find it in my size, in the same colour, mm-hmm. often brand new, but it's a lot cheaper as well. It is so much cheaper. I've ordered, like, so many clothes off Depop and they've yeah. all been cheaper than they were on the website and brand new, like, with labels on. And it's, okay, you have to look for, like, maybe five, ten more minutes than you would have had to on the website. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, it's only good for you. Like- yeah, and you're making the world go round. Like, I myself have my own, like, Depop little business kind of thing. And I love it because it's, yeah. like you know, that's my, like, small income, but you are also investing in other people's shops and you're giving them an incentive to, like, carry on, exactly. like, recycling clothes. Mm-hmm. It, like, I do think um, it is a vicious just, cycle, yeah. buying clothes fast from fast fashion. Like, uh, we've only really talked about the ethical issues here, but, like, fast fashion is obviously the world's second polluter. And in America, tw- in 2014... Uh, the average American bought 16 kilos of new clothes. Like, 16 kilos. So, clothes are pretty light. Like, that's yeah. a lot of clothes. My dog doesn't weigh that much. And <laughs> that is, like, insane. That's. I mean, if you think of, like, a kilo sale, you know, vintage kilo sales. Exactly. Like, that's imagine 16, 16 massive bags. Yeah. Each year. And that's the average American. So, there's people buying more than that and justifying it. Mm. And I just don't understand i think it's come from the need for materialism yeah and the fact that the wealthy have made us think that we need this we need that when actually they need us to buy it but yeah we don't need to absolutely and it is like um there's a there's a youtuber called matt davella or something i don't know how you say his name and he I know. <laughs> yeah yeah and he's like yeah. a, he's like a minimalist he like wears like He's got about five black t-shirts and like five pairs of jeans. And he basically made this video about like um, this idea of like needing things and needing like the the idea that we don't have certain things. And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. that's not true. What you, what, like, it's it's like when they say don't go shopping with a hungry stomach because you're going to buy stuff that you don't need in the moment. And it's like, for me right now, like, I've had, like, a bit of a change in my personal style because, obviously, shaving your head kind of does change your identity <laughs> yeah. a little bit. You know, it has thrown me mm-hmm. off. And so I've, like, fallen into this cycle of, like, oh, I need to update my wardrobe. It's like, no, I just need to have a change of look at my wardrobe and, like, see what I can make work now and, like, maybe I can do DIYs. I just think, mm-hmm. like, like I said this before, but if you are looking for happiness in clothes, you're not gonna you're not gonna find it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. sweetie. You're not gonna find it. <laughs> but I think also, if you're listening to this and you're like, but I do need new clothes, I think everyone will benefit from not buying new clothes for a month or two months. I don't know what's normal for you. Yeah. Or a year. And thinking, 
and then realizing like I don't need that I don't need to buy new things all the time like okay eventually you'll need some new shoes or that kind of thing yeah but you can buy them sustainably there's so many companies obviously it's a lot more expensive but at the end of the day you haven't bought clothes for a year so you've saved up a hell of a lot of money to buy them yeah and like it's I, you just don't need it, and it's not going to make you happy, like we've said a thousand times. Mm. I'm not going to drill it in anymore, but yeah. And like, also, I think, I think, like, for me, I don't think I bought anything firsthand, um, from what I can remember, um, in th- this year so far. And, like, last year, yeah. I can probably count on my hands the amount of items that I bought new. Mm-hmm. And like you said, one was because I had a voucher, one was because I bought a pair of Doc Martens off Depop, and they ended up not yeah. being my size. And because I couldn't return them, I didn't want to run the risk again. So I bought them new. Um, but like genuinely, like probably about five items. And um, but like when you go, when you walk into my issue is when I fall into a really bad routine is when I walk into a shop because mm-hmm. like for me now, I keep a track of stuff that I want to buy. Like I've had on my list pinstrap yeah. trousers for a while and I'm still looking for a really good pair on Depop because I'm not going to buy them first hand. And, like, um, what else was I looking for? I was looking for a brown blazer. Like, these are things that I have on my list that I've seen photos of and I really like them. If you go into a store, you're going to think, oh, I need that or I want that. And, you know, retail therapy is, like, nice to a certain extent, but then it's like you're going to get home. And the amount of times that I've got home and I bought stuff from Primark or Topshop or New Look, and then, like, after three months I've been like, oh, I actually don't like that anymore. But also a year ago was the £1 misguided bikini. (sighs) Um, did you see that? No, I never saw that. What? This, it, like, went viral because it was like, this bikini's only £1. And I think some people we know bought them and they were like, oh, my God, like, this bikini's only £1. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like, cool. <laughs> but, mm. like, how has that been, A, ethically made, environmentally friendly made mm. um, for £1? Like, there's no way that you can justify that. And then they had the audacity to release kind of like an environmental statement like just because we made this bikini for one pound doesn't mean we're not environmentally friendly and you kind of have to think like really like are you really going to come out and say like oh we are environmentally friendly please still buy it because no one's bought it yet and like you have to be like like this is like trendy now it's trendy to be environmentally friendly and conscious and at the end of the day, companies are going to trick you into thinking that they are when they're not because it's beneficial for them. And you've just got to be hyper aware of the fact that companies do just want your money. Yeah, it's about do doing your research, isn't it? Yeah. I think a really easy, tell, like to summarise, a really easy telltale, telltale way to see if a brand is environmentally friendly is if they are releasing clothes every single week, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Just stop yourself. And also, the fact of the matter is that things like Pretty Little Thing, because they like mass produce, you will, and I guarantee you, you will find that item on Depop for 50% of the yeah. price. Just look. Just please look. Mm-hmm. Download, D- download Depop and just have a look. Don't be late. It's about being lazy, people, isn't it? Just stop yeah. being lazy. Do your research. You, you've got, you're in quarantine. You have no excuse. Do your research so that when town opens again, you can all these shops open again, you can know exactly which ones, which ones to tempt yourself with and pop into and which ones not to. Exactly. Well, um, I do have just a f- sorry. I do just have a few yeah, yeah, sure. of companies. There's a few plastic-free shops online, and I do think they're really good. They're called Peace with the Wild, and then Plastic Freedom. Okay. They both 
have loads of, of plastic-free products. And even though a lot of them aren't fully plastic-free, voting with your wallet, you are investing in companies that are looking into making plastic-free products. Yeah. And I think if you are going to buy something new and if you run out of something, you've got to think, oh, I should just check that website because chances are they'll have it. And it might be a little bit more expensive, but it'll probably last a hell of a lot longer. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that we've kind of swayed you to definitely be more environmentally friendly with your wardrobe and wallet because it's really easy nowadays and you're lying to yourself if you think it isn't because you've clearly just not done, done your research. Um, but thank you so much for coming on, Maeve. You've educated me and I'm sure you've educated all of the listeners as well um, with some thank good recommendations. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to wrap this episode up here. If you guys have any topics that you would like Maeve and I to discuss again on another episode, send us an email at doitjustice at hotmail.com and I'll be sure to um, invite Maeve back on. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, And stay safe during quarantine. Keep using that reusable plastic. (laughs) And yeah, I'll speak to you later. Speak to you soon. Bye. So that was Maeve Reese. Her Instagram is Maeve underscore Reese. I'll spell it out for you because <laughs> she knows it's spelled a little bit complicatedly. So M A E V E underscore R E E S. Thank you so much to Maeve for coming on. Like I said, if you have any topics that you'd like to like us to discuss, they don't necessarily have to be environmentally um fueled let me know um you can send me a message on the instagram which is do it justice podcast or on twitter which is do it justice pod with the o being a zero thank you so much for listening to the end this one's been a little bit longer i did do a poll on my instagram to see if people wanted the episodes to be longer and it got quite a few more views than it being shorter so i've tested the waters with this um if you have any comments or suggestions or remarks on anything we've discussed today give me a text on Instagram or an email or whatever, just drop me a message and I'll be sure to include it in the wrap up next episode. Um, Thank you for listening. Stay safe and please do do your research and just try and be that bit more environmentally friendly. It's really not hard.